0: I genuinely believe that growing a new podcast without social media is almost impossible. Platforms like Instagram and TikTok have the power to showcase our content to new audiences. The only challenge is that creating engaging social content takes up a lot of time. But here's a game changer. Riverside, the virtual recording podcast platform, has introduced Magic Clips, powered by AI. This incredible tool automatically creates social clips from your podcast making content creation effortless. I was amazed when I logged in to check how long it would take to create the clips, only to find out that they were already created when I logged in. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Check out the link in the show notes to discover this new feature and get an exclusive 15% off. Riverside is redefining podcasting, one clip at a time. Join the podcast revolution today. What does a podcast production company do? Where is the industry headed? These are just a few of the questions that podcast founders and experts are answering in a new show from the Podcast Academy and DCP Entertainment. Podcast 360. Company founders and podcast experts will answer three questions about all things podcasting. They'll have just 60 seconds to answer. Join us on Podcast 360 with new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us at DCP Official for show news and Hey, welcome to The Creator Hub. My name is Lloyd, and every single week, we share content to help you level up on your journey. Today, we have an incredible guest. You know, people normally think that I am everywhere. They they, they see me at a lot of different conferences or events, and so they assume that I'm just always out doing stuff. But this guy is quite literally everywhere. I go to podcast movement, he is there. I go to London for the pod show, he is there. And now he even has his own uh, podcast meetup, which happens here in California, which I'm so happy I get to attend. You know when people say like they're having a meetup and you're like, oh, it's probably just like a few people getting together drinks and stuff. No, no, like this is like a real podcast movement with like tons of people. Uh, And so it's always great uh, running into this guy and I'm so glad he could join me on the podcast. Please welcome to the show, Imran. How are you? Hey, Lloyd, what's up? <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I, I really appreciate it. I feel like I this is like number one, long overdue. Um, and so thank you so much for joining me.
1: Well, thanks for having me and thanks for the kind words, man. Yeah. Uh this this guy right here <laughs> met him on LinkedIn. Yeah, out of all places. And then all of a sudden, real life, just like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, Imran part of why I wanted you to be on the show was because you run a platform called Great Pods and part of what you guys do is aggregate aggregate critic reviews and um for podcasts to help more people discover shows and decide if they are or are not going to listen to that mm-hmm. podcast. Um and I want to talk about that in the podcast that like the value and power of reviews in the world of podcasting. But before we do that, I just want to hit you with a quick speed round of questions. Just like don't even think about right. any of these answers just like Whatever comes to mind, just Excellent. say Excellent. Yeah. Let's go for it. So so here's the first one. Audio-only podcasting is dead. No. True or false? No, false. False. Okay. Uh, podcast conferences are the best well, way to Well, can I
1: add it. to that, like, why it's Please. false? Please. I, I think uh, the YouTube and the Spotify videos of it all, Yeah. Uh, I think they're, everything is complementary of each other. Mm. And literally, and I was putting this in my newsletter this week, by the way, plug yeah. for that, uh, <laughs> is... I was listening to Offline with Jon Favreau Mm -hmm. and his guest was Adam Conover talking about the WGA WGA strikes. I got Mm -hmm. halfway through it on the YouTube video while I was doing work. And then on my way over here, I, I had to finish the episode. Great episode, by the way. Check yeah. it out. Uh, Listen to it on uh, on my favorite podcast app. So it's incredible. So yeah. instead of
0: choosing between like whether someone is going to have an audio podcast or a video only podcast, that they should think about how these two things can work together and, and complement. I think they each can
1: complement each other. Yes, hundred yeah.
0: percent. I love that. Um, Here is the second question for you. Podcast conferences are the best way to grow your show.
1: Ooh, um, <laughs> no. Okay. I know with another, there's always an explanation with this. Uh, They don't bring the audience, but they help you, I think they help you network with the the people that can help you get that audience. Like for example, collaborating with other podcasters Mm. that you may not have even met Uh, ever you meeting you in real life like the collaboration we're having right now uh those are very important there's i i love conferences because of the business development the people that you normally wouldn't be able to meet even via email if they're uh, all that stuff that that helps you build a foundation to grow your audience but they don't it doesn't immediately grow your audience yeah i love that um so it's like you may not meet your
0: listeners there, but the indirect things you'll gain from that conference may help you grow your show still. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Here's the third question for you. Great pods is like Rotten Tomatoes, but for podcasters.
1: True. Okay. <laughs> the, the, I, just, I, just, no, that. I just I just, <laughs> just <laughs> <there's> No. <laughs> and dot. Thanks for the episode. Uh, yeah. The, one of the, the pain points that I've had um, in the podcast medium as an entertainment medium yep. is trusting the sources that, Recommend podcasts, mm-hmm. um, and this is guess it goes into a little bit of background of history where I where I've been come from. Uh, I worked at uh, the podcast app or audio app called TuneIn Radio. Yeah. Worked there for about eight years, uh, from customer support all the way to marketing. Wow. And one of the things that I learned from the customers that would email into customer support, or even to marketing when we sent out newsletters, yeah. they would ask the question, "Why should I listen to this game? Why should I listen mm-hmm. to this podcast? Why are you promoting this? I don't really care about this." And it, and like, who are you guys? Yeah. The question was, "Who are you guys?" Well, we kept it anonymous. We didn't want to get any flack for that. It's yeah. just editorial team. Yep. Uh, but there was that didn't build any trust, and it mm-hmm. didn't have any transparency. Yep. Where I go for like Siskel and Ebert, Rotten Tomatoes, you know who they are yep. and you know what publication they're writing for. It doesn't matter if it's big, it doesn't yep. matter if it's small, but at least you know who they are. So that builds a little level of trust and transparency there. Yeah, I didn't see that in the podcast space. Yep. That was a pain point for me. And so I went out looking to see if there were podcast critics and podcast reviews from professional sources, people that can articulate why you should and shouldn't to outside of our friends. Yeah, when a friend tells you what movie that you listen to, uh, I mean, what movie or TV show you should watch. Be like, hey, you should watch the Bear. Uh, well, you probably have seen some marketing for it, or and so on. But the usual case, and you can tell me what your case of getting recommendations is, is that. In my case, I would go Rotten Tomatoes and check out what the reviews were, whether they're user and critic reviews. But I'd look at the critic reviews because I know that's how that stemmed from. Yeah, and I, you know, I'd love
0: that. And as I was preparing for this conversation, that was probably like the biggest thing that stood out to me about great pods. This idea of like critic reviews, Um, and I think that like tell me if if this is like a fair statement that you agree with. It's better to have one review from a trusted critic like the New York Times versus maybe 10 reviews from people that may be anonymous, for example?
1: So, um, let me think about that for a second. So, and I'm gonna repeat your question just so I can start thinking about it a little bit more, is that you're asking, is it more important to have one trusted, like a New York Times, big publication yeah. writer, writing a critic review, or 10 small size blogs writing reviews? Or would that be the fair comparison that you're trying to make here? I think so.
0: Um, And it doesn't necessarily have to be like – it's less of an emphasis on the fact that they are small. But I think what you're putting an emphasis on is that they're trusted. Um, And so it's like it's better to have one or two trusted reviews than 10 reviews from someone that isn't – they might just be like – negatively comment bombing or positively comment bombing?
1: Okay. So I'll, I'll start off with part one where I think is um, whether they're 10 or 1, mm-hmm. big or small, those reviews, I think those 10, if they're small blog publishers mm-hmm. and there's 10 reviews, that I still count that more heavily mm-hmm. than 100,000 Apple user reviews. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call it Apple. <laughs> uh, user reviews. Yeah. Because of the articulation, and you know who they are, versus hiding behind an anonymous screen name. Got it. So I would trust reviews like that. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's New York Times or small time bu- publishers. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I think that to me that stood out. That's me I, personally.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I and and that stood out to me because I never he- I'd never even put any weight into the idea of like trusted, valuable reviews that you can that you can see and know like who wrote them Um, i always just assumed that like especially when i started my podcast um 2018 the first thing i did was like i hit up like a bunch of people and i was just like please give me a review i didn't necessarily care like who it was from like what what name they put like what the review was i just just need it to say five stars by 24 people that's all i need um and so now it sounds like you're putting an emphasis on like the quality of those reviews and that is what would drive more people to listen to your content yeah
1: and and you bring about uh, and also another idea that you know it's going to take a while for for me to build. Uh, but on the user interviews, a uh, user review side, I do want an aspect of user reviews, but it has to be heavily moderated. Mm-hmm. Those that have come in, we have an ex- aspect of the site. It's just a simple Google sheet. Yeah. You can you can write a review if you want. Uh, but uh, I review all of it, mm-hmm. right? And if it doesn't articulate, if it just says "I love you!" exclamation points, I made the amazing podcast. Like that doesn't. Tell me why anybody randomly showing up to the site they should listen to it. So I actually yeah. reply back to everybody who submitted a user review mm. and say, please articulate why or why they shouldn't. Why did you give it a one star? You have to tell me why. Yeah. Um, so there's that, and so people don't respond back. They're like, ah, crap. I can't. Right. I can't respond back. Uh, but you're, you're, I'd love to ask you a question right back. Yeah. You, you specifically said 24 reviews. Is that, was that a thing or you just like kind of just said it in the midst of this conversation? Is there a thing where you have to get 24 reviews? I'd never heard about that.
0: Yeah, no, there isn't. It was just more so like a personal preference. And at the time when I, I was like trying to do that, I had just started. And so it was like, Hey, I just need like as many reviews as possible. Um, and that to me signified, That made me feel like I could share with the world that, like, this is a real podcast. See, I have 24 reviews. Um, But it never once crossed my mind that, like, hey, if you really want people to, like, see those reviews and listen to the content, you probably want to pay attention to, like, the quality of each of those reviews. And that kind of brings me into, like, my next point and why I think this idea of, like, great pods is so impressive. Ultimately, I think what you're trying to do is use this idea of, like, critic reviews, to act as a form of discovery in the podcast world, right? And I think the idea is that like right now in the podcast world, there just isn't any easy way to discover new shows and decide if you are or aren't gonna listen. From your perspective, is that, I mean, what are your thoughts on just sort of like the podcast world and its discovery?
1: Oh, okay, That's, uh, it's, it's, a long, it's a long couple of years. Of, uh, of that question about podcast discovery being broken, podcast discovery this, that, that's that. Um, there's no shortage of discovery tools out there. I don't think it's broken. I think there's plenty of tools mm. to, if you have to, if you put in a little bit of legwork as a listener uh, to discover these podcasts, you have human editorial, sometimes yeah. anonymous, sometimes not. Uh, you have journalists in my work and for Great Pods specifically, these journalists are surfacing podcasts. Yep. And uh, that to me, that's for me working on Great Pods, like that's my number one source of discovery mm-hmm. is through these people that can tell me why I should listen to this specific podcast. And then I curate it from there. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's broke broken. Plenty of sources. Um, again, AI is also the hot topic. I think AI discovery is slowly Taking form with a lot of different apps in general. For me, it's a wait and see. Yep. I want to see how the dust settles with that. Um, yeah, th- that's where that's that's kind of where I'm at with with the podcast discovery. Oh, I want to add. Yeah. <laughs> so in my pitches that I've been working on, it's like it's not I, what I realized from the user base. some of the 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 data yeah. and some of the surveys uh, earlier surveys that I took uh, from users that randomly come to the site was that it wasn't discovery that people are coming to the site. So I just want to let you know that yeah. people who come to the site, really, they already know what podcast they, they heard about. Mm. So r- currently at its foundation, Great Pods is sort of a marketing tool for other podcasts because if you hear about it through a podcast commercial, something else, our Google SEO search terms, long story short, Google yeah. SEO search terms are name of podcast and podcast review.
0: Interesting. And
1: that's how they land up. So they already heard about the pod. That's 80, 90% of the people landing on, on great yeah. pods. So they heard so now that's we're a brand new site. I would say still young infancy. So that's how they discover the site yeah. uh, through Google SEO. After that, they discover other podcasts. So people who come to the site via uh, the Google SEO, yep. will then explore two or three other pages within the platform. So yeah. then you start getting discovery from there. So for me, I say podcast discovery and decision making. Because what do you do when you go to Rotten Tomatoes or your great great pods and read reviews? It helps you decide right. on what to listen to.
0: Yo, I I love that. Um do you do you is it a fair assumption that podcasters that are listening to this show can be using great pods to secure more listeners. Am I like oversimplifying it?
1: Yeah. So what I do is um in, in the case of independence doesn't matter who. independence again, big and small. I talk about big and small. Yeah. I think they're they're sort of equivalent in the in the way that everybody's trying to just market their show. Yeah. So what I did in the last year, I started gathering th- because I've been aggregating these reviews from various sources. Yeah. Um, and so I created a blog post on some of these sites actually have submissions where you can get reviews. You want to get on the podcast apps, you're going to send it out to newsletters and whatnot. And, yeah. Potentially, you may not have thought about podcast critic reviews, but now you are thinking about it because we exist. And so now I made that blog post that helps people go down the checklist of not only newsletters that I consider review worthy yeah. to add, yep. uh, but also websites like podcastreview.org. Yep. You know, they have submission pages that where you can you can actually apply to get uh, reviewed. Yep. People like the New York Times, uh, I know we use New York Times a lot, but like there's, they, they can be, uh, Harder to get their attention because everybody knows about them. Uh, especially those big publications. So I don't list them technically on the blog post. I try to go for the ones that are like sort of attainable.
0: Yeah, and I did check out that blog post, and it's great. I'll definitely include it in the show notes. But I think essentially if I was a podcaster and I was saying, hey, you know what, Like, I want to get more people to discover my show, and the way I want to do that is to have uh, critically acclaimed uh, people write reviews about it, Um, I would start, me as the podcaster, would start reaching out to some of these publications, small newsletters to people on this blog and saying like, hey, would you listen to this podcast and write a review about it on Great Pods? Yes. Okay. Um, hey,
1: that was a great summary right there for my <laughs> five-minute answer. No, no, I I love that. Uh, and I honestly, I appreciate the summaries. That's really good. Yeah. I've
0: never heard that before. I've never heard of like this idea that like, You could leverage i've always just thought of like reviews as like something people see in the apple store you just kind of if you scroll all the way to the bottom maybe you'll see it but i've never thought about that as like an independent way to like grow listenership and new listenership at that for a podcast which is just great
1: and I'll add I'll add some uh, notes to that where that's going to be like the big publication The Guardian the Guardian's one of the favorites yep. um, for for their reviews they have like two columns one by Miranda Sawyer she's a weekly critic and then they have uh, a bunch of different other writers that do another weekly column yep. um, of short summaries of them so I read them both uh, but they're a lot harder to be in contact with but they do get the, the click throughs yep right so they have a readership people are reading some of what podcasts to listen to yep. from these writers uh, and a friend of mine who has an independent podcast her podcast got picked up mm. from one of the guardians uh, weekly emails and websites wow. and it and it drove i don't know, i forget the percentage i don't want to quote the percentage but it did increase gave her a bump in in listenership and audience that's incredible yeah. um what about people that would love to get like reviews
0: and think it could be helpful but are afraid that if they get a negative review, that it could
1: be the opposite of helpful. Uh, that's that's one of the joys for me. It's not not for the independents. I, I don't hurting somebody is different versus articulating why critically yeah. uh, constructive criticism, as yeah. it were. Um, but there's there's some good stuff that comes for for it if you're ready for it. If you're ready for it as an independent. If this is specifically for independent podcasters. You have to be ready for positive and negative feedback, Mm. and that includes users too. Yeah, there's plenty of. I'm going to call it Apple user reviews. There's plenty of Apple user reviews that I've I've seen that are just thrown out there. One of them, I'll paraphrase. Uh, like one-star reviews, mm-hmm. and just it was just the trailer. Yeah. That's all it was was just the trailer. So I guess it protects against review bombing. Yeah. But going back to your your original question, you just have to be ready for it. You're going to get feedback. You're asking for feedback, Yep. right, whether it's good or not. Uh, I think that's what criticism does a little bit. It just gives you that, that sort of feedback. Yeah. Okay, the audio wasn't as crisp or clear. I'm just doing some high-level stuff. Yeah. But uh, the you know the speaker was speaking too fast yeah. uh stuff like that is like kind of good knowledge to have maybe get those kinks out of the way yeah. uh with friends and family to help give you feedback or other audio engineer just people in the the in your circle yep. uh to give you that uh honest feedback but look out for that that's going to happen yep it will happen um I mean I have a It friend. could drive listenership by the way It could it could I I I it's like when uh
0: i do that a lot too like i'll go somewhere i'll um i'll see a review questionable at best and then sometimes i'll see one that's just like straight up bad it'll make me want to watch it more i don't do you know who keith lee is uh keith he's like a food critic on tiktok he like Mm. goes around and he'll do like different like food reviews at uh different restaurants and stuff um and so even when he does like a bad one he'll be like hey the fries at this place weren't great, but this was great. And whenever he reviews a place, they're like sold out for like several months. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I know. so he reviewed one place and he was like, their fries weren't great. And so when he went back to the guy, the guy was like, yeah, you know, I changed the fries to improve them based on your review. But people still come in and they're like, no, I want like the old fries that he said were bad. Like, I want to try them. <laughs> so He just, just like wanted to know whole, if it was true or yeah, not like that they I were bad. His exact order. And so it's just kind of – it's funny. It's funny. So to your point, like, you know, I think um, – all could be helpful, and I think to your point, it all works with a greater point, which is like, hey, it'll make you a greater podcaster, but also could still drive listenership.
1: And sometimes um, there, if you're big and I mean, I, I'll tell you a big podcast, a big celebrity story uh, on a review that I had to listen to because the review is bad um, or critical of this thing. George Ezra, the singer George Ezra, mm-hmm. uh, had a podcast, I think, like right at the beginning of the pandemic or right before the pandemic. So he had two seasons of it. Mm -hmm. interviewing his celebrity friends and uh one of the reviews from the times uk was just digging into the podcast but in british sarcasm Mm -hmm. so it was hilarious yeah because they were digging his celebrity status as a singer but he was so boring monotone low voice and his voice has that sort of low voice that's what makes it a good singing voice but maybe not a good speaking voice for interviews and so on but it made me listen to it yeah but in the case that I listened to one or two episodes, I agreed with the writer. Yeah, I was like, okay, cool. Like it's just like the it's just like the food thing. It's like yeah. I want to know what these fries were like. Yeah, like I want to know what this audio is like. I want to be torturing myself. Like that's in,
0: that's a great perspective. That like reviews might not necessarily deter people from yeah. listening. It just gives them an idea of what they're about to listen yeah. to. Um, I love that. I had a, um, a friend, right? And she has, like, she's crushing it. She has, like, 7 million podcast downloads. And so I was asking her, like, hey, like, what did you do? What worked? Like, tell me, tell me more. And she gave me a list of things, but at the top of that list was, like, SEO. Um, and so I know that this is a topic that you've spoken on. and I think you spoke at Outlier um, about SEO a bit. Um, I'm just curious, just, like, what your thoughts are on SEO and how podcasters can be a little more intentional as they think about like how they name their podcasts or their podcast descriptions? Is that how we should be thinking about SEO, or is that am I oversimplifying this?
1: I laugh because Great Pods is SEO friendly. Mm. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I picked it. Yeah. Uh, have I thought about changing the name? Yes, uh, but for SEO purposes, it's it's, it's great. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah, no SEO is should be on every podcaster's list mm-hmm. um, you know it's i'm doing all all the manual work on great pods, so it's a lot of non engineering work mm-hmm. that's that's me so a lot of the stuff that I feel that podcasters are doing also you're doing your own editing you're doing your own video maybe you have sources like there's there's ways to to prioritize what you need to do, yep. but if you're a solopreneur, which I think podca- independent podcasters are, um, on that list has to be podcasters. It's these are like necessary things. They're tedious, they're long, they're boring, but in the long term, they pay off. Yeah, why you should have like web, you should pay attention to website SEO because you want to build a foundation. They talk about luck how often with like not only luck with a lot of things, but you build a foundation so that when that luck hits. You're ready for it. Mm-hmm. Nothing crashes. Everything is working smoothly. Yeah. 2020, 2022, uh, we built the foundation. 2021, working all the time. I'm like, we need to get this uh, keyword set up and podcast SEO and all. We built it all in. Yeah. Basic SEO. Just learn some basic SEO at first for your website. Yeah. A year later, somebody on Reddit found a link to Serial's The Improvement Association podcast because they were talking about something political on the East Coast. Yeah. They dropped a link in one of the popular Reddit tweets, and, and and our site blew up 1,500% wow. for that day. And we were ready for it. I, I, I was scared because yeah. I was like, there's a glitch in the matrix. What is happening? Right. It took me a while to, like, kind of hone it to to Reddit. Yeah. But we had taken that year. It took a year. Right. To build that foundation for SEO, so that somebody could search that podcast mm-hmm. and we showed up in the first page, probably Jeez. top three, and we're evergreen. Like it's not, it's not an Apple link, yeah. right? There's gonna be 50% of users are Android, yeah. right? So it's not just like an Apple link. It's our links go straight to whatever your favorite app is. Got it. Uh, we don't, we don't discriminate against like different, different yeah. apps. So anyway, building those foundations help. For that moment. And then we started boosting up. Uh, the site traffic started going up. Mm. Trustworthiness within Google is very important as well. Yep. Uh, that immediately, once you get onto a high quality site uh, like Reddit, in that case, every all of the podcasts within our platform started getting indexed by Google. That so it helps insane. with Google indexing. When yeah. you're a brand new site, Google indexing can be really long. Yep. And you need to help. They talk about backlinking. Yep. Uh, you need to get backlinked a lot yep. but that one reddit post cleared the queue yeah on on the site, so now we get uh, all the podcasts I add within twenty four hours they get indexed on google wow that 's yeah. incredible so it 's important yeah. Yeah. Um, and
0: I think, you know, I think a lot of podcasters don't think about that because it's like one of those things I feel it's like going to the gym where it's like you probably have to do it. Like you just mentioned, you have to do it for a year before seeing anything like tangible. Um, and I just think that there's a lot of things like that in the world of podcasting where it's like, hey, you need these like healthy habits to grow, but you may not see any tangible results for them in the next three months, maybe.
1: Yeah. I consider it, like Great Pods the independent podcaster, although I'm going for wide net yep. as far as an audience is concerned. But like as far as the work we're doing, is that independence, that like grinding, guerrilla marketing type stuff as well? Uh, the Google SEO stuff, like you might have to like spend a week or two, like you're doing s- keyword searches and everything, your content, how you're building your content and wording yeah. them and phrasing them. You know, once you have it established, like let's say less, less, like two weeks, yep. all right, tops of work, it's established, done. You can just leave it alone. It's just a matter of, like, now you do the other work of getting backlinked and getting the your site yeah. authority up uh, and doing the other marketing stuff. Because then when it hits, then it's it's all gravy from there.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of what we've spoken about in this episode is, like, virtual and online things and things that can help you grow your show within the web, right? Um, part of what I think we share in common is our passion for, like, in-person events or conferences. What How do you think about, like conferences you mentioned earlier that they could play a role in like helping you grow your show but like when you go to a conference what are you thinking and how do you decide if you should or shouldn't be there
1: my first conference podcast movement in nashville um all masked up it was it was fun i had met i'd actually met these two podcasters uh on a podcast movement virtual event like a couple months before and so we became, pretty, we became online buddies, yeah. like pretty tight. It's like, all right, that's our, our home base. Went there, um, no expectations. The mm-hmm. first time, I had no expectations, no rules, because I just needed to experience it and see what was here. Even though they have yep. schedules and uh, events, yep. I still did not want to have myself a checklist of, like, this is what I need to do. Yeah, yeah I think the only thing was just, just meet people. Yep. As many people as you can. It doesn't matter who they are. That was my first uh, rule for that mm-hmm. one. After I got a taste of it and knew what was happening, then I started developing my own um, checklist of what I needed to get done. So my my advice to others other people is like enjoy it the first time around. Yeah. Uh, see what's out there. See you meet people for sure, one hundred percent meet people. Yeah. But just enjoy it. Go to the networking events. Uh, go to the sessions that are happening. Go to the yeah. big ones, the small ones. It doesn't matter what it is. What you're interested in, fine. Yes. Uh, but don't really like. Yeah, just enjoy it. Yeah. 100% enjoy it. After that, then you start building that. You know yeah. what to build from That's there. a good point. And I
0: feel like, at the, at, like the more you go, the more it becomes just sort of like – like sometimes I just go just cause so like I want to hang out with my friends, honestly. Yeah. Like most of the people that I meet there, they live in different cities or states. I follow their podcasts online. So it's like we're friends. But it's like this is the only chance I'm going to get to see them. And, you know, like I, if I'm being honest, like that's my my first reason of going. My second is just that like free drinks – and free parties. That is like it. That's my second.
1: Was uh, was this Podcast Evolutions your first uh, it was podcast my first, conference?
0: It was my first Evolutions, but last year I spazzed out on like a few conferences. So I went to like Movement in Dallas and then I went to um, Afros and Audio in Philly um, and then an Atlanta podcast conference. Um, so I, I went to maybe
1: three or four last year. And and the first one, the very first one you went yeah. to was that the Dallas one? It was. Okay. So did you had did you set up any expectations like what you wanted to accomplish, that sort of thing? I didn't. Um I I went in kind of not knowing
0: what to expect, and when I went in, it was like a lot bigger than I anticipated. So it was like my first time being on like the Trade for Floor and being like, "Oh my gosh, like I've never been around this many podcasters before. This is like insane." Um and that was a bit overwhelming in a good way, but like so worth it. Mm. Even just for like like I, I um I'm releasing an ebook soon and one of the things I say in there is like if you want to get like a brand deal from like another podcast company, just go on the trade floor. You're literally surrounded by like hundreds of them. You could literally just walk to every person and
1: you would leave for like a hundred leads like easily. Yeah. There you go. So there so no expectations, you just went in fresh, clean, and then the the, the next conference did you find them like okay, right, I kinda understand the space. Let me like at least do one one or two things. It doesn't even matter if it's 10 or one thing, but at least you came in with a focus, right? Yeah,
0: 1000%. And I knew a little bit more about like what to expect. So like for me, for instance, I realized like, hey, um, I don't necessarily need to go to the workshops because I can always like watch those in the app when I go home. It's more important that I just spend my time like meeting people. So I think everyone learns their own you know, yeah. thing or whatever. But I, I love them so much. Um, I, I think it's just like a great way to bring like, like our relationship, like online connections, like in real life. Thanks for hanging Uh, out on this show. I really appreciate it. Um, Obviously, I'm going to plug all the links where people can find you in the show notes.
1: But where can people find you online? Greatpods on all socials, threads. I was going to say X or Twitter. I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. What do we call it? One or the other. Uh, That's why I hesitated. Uh, Yeah, you got Facebook. Uh, Unless I'm not as active on Facebook. But the newsletter uh, on the website, greatpods.co. And everywhere else, at Great Pods, if you want to follow on all socials. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you.